You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. What a glorious morning. Mm-mm-mm. Did anybody see fog this morning? Did you drive through the fog? It's called the glory of God. It fills the earth. It was a foreshadowing of his filling our hearts and filling this temple with his presence. Hallelujah. Two months ago when we did the food distribution, we had several healings that took place. A lot of people came with physical needs. Last month, it was like a, a grief ministry time. Uh, many were, were grieving the loss of loved ones. And so we, we ministered. We have no idea what he's up to today, but we know it's going to be good. So we want to see what he's doing and just partner with that. If you've got your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 13. We'll begin reading at verse 13. Chapter 13 is a glorious chapter. Incredible, incredible. We'll enjoy this. Amen. Everybody got your iPads, smartphones open to Acts chapter 13? Okay. Those that are regular know that it's going to be on the screen, so you say, why bother? Let's begin. From, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, If you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for more than 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not that one. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, 
children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet condemning them, condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that is written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he has been seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witness to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell down, he fell asleep, and he was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you will never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews, devout converts to Judaism, followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and to quicken Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to take in and receive, uh, to embrace the fullness of revelation of your holy word to the praise and honor and glory of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, here's the map of where they're headed. They were called on the far right, you see Antioch, they went from there to Seleucia, they came over to Salamis in Cyprus, then Paphos, Paphos, and from there you see that they go up to Perga, and that's where John Mark exits and goes back to Jerusalem, which right now isn't a big factor in our story, but we find that a little later when they go on another journey, it begins a, a real tension between Barnabas and Paul. So there's some interesting dynamics that's taken place here. What we have in this passage of Scripture is we're getting a, a picture of what it was like. 
for the first ones that were taking the gospel outside of their own area and going someplace else and proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And so what was their, their Jews? They, they've come to know Jesus. And as they go, they find that the Jews have been dispersed for many different reasons. But when they find the synagogue in their local village, the local town, the city, they always go there first. And what do they do? They go in and take over. No, they go and shut up and sit down and listen to the regular service that's going on every Sabbath in the temple, in the synagogue. And so as they listen and as they're there hearing the prophets, hearing the word, the law and the prophets proclaimed, the rulers of the synagogue come to them and says, brothers, if you have an encouraging word, we'd like to hear it. They didn't say, if you'd like to come and beat us up, if you'd like to make us feel guilty and just... No, if you have an encouraging word. You know, and that's the essence of, of really sharing the gospel, sharing any word from the Lord, is that it should have encouragement attached to it. When we share the gospel about Jesus, people should be encouraged. Even if it's sinners in the hands of an angry God. You realize that was only preached once. Only preached once. But if we, if we bring the heavier side of judgment, we've got to make sure that that is balanced with the redemptive side of salvation. To err is to err. Let's make sure we err on the side of encouragement rather than wrath. Because wrath just really doesn't preach anymore. Why? Because when Jesus died, there is no longer any wrath in God's heart. The miracle of the atonement, there's not an angry God. There's a loving Father who longs for his children to come to know him. So I, I find it really beautiful as, as we see in the scriptures as how this all starts to take place. You know, they come in and here is Paul's word of encouragement. He, he starts by helping them remember who they are. You know, the God that he's about to proclaim, the Jesus that he's about to proclaim, is an extension of Yahweh that has been proclaimed throughout their entire history. And he, he, he begins by identifying that their fathers were chosen by God. That this is a chosen people, that God was the one who chose them. That he made them prosper as they were in famine and as they went to Egypt. They prospered in Egypt. <laughs> and then when Egypt turned on them, he delivered them with mighty power. And there we see all the plagues. We see all the signs and wonders. We see the opening of the Red Sea. We see the protection from Pharaoh's army with the pillar of fire that, that keeps and separates. And then he endured their conduct for 40 years in the wilderness. Oh my. He's loving, he's powerful, he's kind, he is patient with us. 40 years, the complaining, murmuring people of God in the desert. That should encourage somebody here today. 
He overthrew seven nations in the land of Canaan and gave those lands, those cities, those houses to his people as an inheritance. So he covers quickly 450 years. Good start, Paul. Good start. Notice he's not called Saul anymore. From here on, he's Paul. And so Paul starts. He identifies with the Jews because he's in a Jewish synagogue. And the, the people that are, are there, that if they're not Jews, they're devout. They're devout believers. And they honor the Jewish tradition. He goes on. After this was the judges leading up to Samuel. And then from Samuel, the people wanted a king. So he gave them what they wanted. Be careful what you want. You've got a good father who loves his kids, and oftentimes he gives us what we want, even when what we want is not what's best for us. Oh. Now, a lot of times we use the example that God's not going to give us, you know, something that's going to be harmful to us. Yeah, that's, that's true, but oftentimes if we're asking for something and we keep, keep asking for something and God gives it to us and we've never discerned whether he wants us to have it, that's very, very... could be very unfortunate. I was just thinking... I have these crazy thoughts that the Holy Spirit just kind of Sometimes the enemy tries to and I invite the Holy Spirit to counteract that. But I was just thinking, what if, and all of a sudden I have this thought, you know, that you could have the, 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 the oh, the Lord, yes, let's jump on that. And then I'm thinking, I need to check and see if the Lord wants me to have that. Is this something that's going to continue? Because if, if, if my number one desire is intimacy with him, is there something that is good that's going to compromise my intimacy with him? You're saying, what are you talking about? Okay, let's get specific. For the last three years at Christmas time, I've looked at the drone helicopters, praying that maybe I get one. Haven't got one. So, Lord, that's okay. I think it could be used redemptively. Uh, two, I'm thinking, you know, if I get an Xbox One, my grandkids will come over and they will do the dance stuff and we'll have fun and play Mario Kart and all this kind of stuff. Should I get an Xbox One? Now, I'm not, I'm not making a statement about the morality and the godliness of an Xbox One. Don't I? But I know my personality. You give me an Xbox One and you give me a game that clicks, how much time will I spend playing Xbox? Ah. So there is, there is a sense that we, we need to ask if this is in the best interest of the Lord and his kingdom that I pray for something that is tangible like that. Now, we know that he absolutely has called me to the golf course. 
He loves all things redemptive about playing 18 holes. If you don't believe me, you know, talk to Billy Graham. I'm not the only one. Billy's gone public. He says in his travels throughout the entire world, everywhere he goes, he takes his golf clubs. Warmed my heart. It was strangely warm, just like John Wesley when he heard the Romans preface. Oh, yeah. So that's great. But if, I, if I'm experiencing God on the golf course, you may experience God in an Xbox. If you do, knock yourself out in his presence. For me, I think it would go in and it would feed that addictive kind of tendencies that would just get lost in trying to conquer whatever it is that we're trying to conquer when we're playing games. Mm. So they asked for a king and they got a king. They got Saul. He reigned 40 years. Then they got David. A man after God's own heart. And, and did you see the phrase that followed that? He will do everything I want him to do. Oh. I want a king like that. Yeah. Jesus is a king like that. Jesus does everything the Father wants him to do. That leads us through David's line. We get Jesus, who is the Messiah. And then it goes on to talk about John. And it, it, it lets us know that with John, he preached a baptism of repentance. And uh, he was the forerunner of the Christ, the Messiah. But he himself said he was not the Messiah. He's waiting because the Messiah, he's not even worthy to tie his shoes. Hmm. Now at this point, he readdresses the people in verse 26. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us this message of salvation has been sent. Now that's a good point, Rick. Amen. Well, that's scripture. Everybody should say amen. It's to us. Mm. Love it. They missed it in Jerusalem. The leaders did not recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. They condemned him, which fulfilled the prophets, what the prophets had said. The prophets that they read every Sunday or every Saturday, every Sabbath in the synagogues. <laughs> he wasn't worth, there wasn't anything that he had done that was worthy of a death sentence, but they got one anyway. They took him down from the cross and they put him in the tomb. Resurrection time. Resurrection time. I love the two words in verse 30, but God. As he goes through the history and he shows and he identifies with the people of God, the Jewish people, and as he sees how they've, how they've gone throughout their history, they get to the place where they make the biggest foolish mistake they could ever make, and they killed the son, they killed the Messiah. But God. Now, if we were writing this story, it would be like, but God then wiped the whole Jewish race out. He killed all the religious leaders that killed Jesus. He just snuffed them out in a moment of the flurry of his fire. 
No. But God raised him from the dead. God never really focuses on us. He focuses on his son. He focuses on his son. His son is who he raised from the dead. Uh. And for many days he was seen. We know from the book of Acts earlier that it was for a period of over 40 days he revealed himself and he talked to his disciples, to those who followed him about the kingdom, preparing them for the kingdom. And, oh, then the Holy Spirit came. Amazing. Now we are his witnesses to our people. Paul and Barnabas are there to testify to the Jews the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, his children, by raising Jesus from the dead. He goes on to to make some Old Testament quotes relating to Jesus from the Psalms. He says, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Jesus is the son of God. He goes on, he says, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. And the main promise to David was that his kingdom would never end. And with Jesus, Isaiah prophesies that of his government, there will be no end. No end to the kingdom of Jesus. (laughs) Those are holy and sure blessings promised to David. And then he goes on and says, you will not let your holy one see decay. And in case anybody thought that was referring to David, Paul reminds them that we know where David's bones are. But Jesus, the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. There was no decay. He was resurrected from death to life. So that's, that's a great message, isn't it? Good message. Well done, Paul. I give him a good A for his first first message on foreign soil. There he goes. But the scripture says, therefore, my brothers, I want you to know some things. You need to know some things. I want you to know this. And like the apostle Paul, I want us to know this. One, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. There is no other name by which we can be saved. Jesus is the only one that can forgive sins. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Does that do anything to you? Then why do we keep trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps? Why is it that we keep trying to think that God's going to like us if we're, if we're better? If our behavior's better, if our thoughts are, are, are more pure, if our language is releasing life and blessing and all of this stuff. We, we, we strive for those things, and that's, that's a form of trying to keep the law. To me, this is just one of the most beautiful pictures of grace through Jesus the things that you could never do by yourself are done they're done for you 
You don't have to strive to keep the law, to be righteous, to be acceptable, to be loved by God. Through Jesus, you are loved, you are accepted, you are deemed righteous because he takes his righteousness and puts it into your account. He puts it upon you. You're righteous. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come right now and just free us from all our religious nonsense where we strive somehow thinking we're going to get more brownie points with you? Oh, if we can somehow live a sinless life through our own strength. Because it's never going to happen, folks. Through our own strength, we will fail, we will fail, we will fail. But through his strength, you can do all things. Through his strength, his righteousness, his grace, his reality living within you, there is nothing that's too difficult for you. Nothing. Bring it on, Holy Spirit. Mm. So, I get so excited at this point. Lord, come. Come. A strange way to end the message. Where he he quotes a, a passage of scripture, a prophecy that God is doing something that's too good to be true and you wouldn't believe it even if someone told you. And that's how he ends. But I, I, know, I, I know what he's... What, I, I resonate with that because how many times do we hear the word of the Lord, we hear an encouraging word, and it's real easy not to believe it. It's okay to believe it for a moment it's okay to believe it and say, you know, that, that, that sounds pretty good. Let's hear a little bit more about that next week, okay? Can, can, could you talk next week and tell us a little bit more? We've got another seven days till next week. Guess what happens in those seven days? Because we have an adversary who does not want us to know the truth of how God feels about us and how he loves us, and he doesn't want us to know the wonder of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and the freedom of striving to be religious. You put it off for a week, gives the enemy a whole week to jerk your chain, to get you to think up is down and down's up, right is left and left is right, good is evil and evil is good, He works on all of that stuff. You give him seven days before you're going to make a decision, before you're going to embrace and hold something as true. And so the the author of Scripture here is telling us, but there's many Jews and devout believers, lovers of God, who followed Paul and Barnabas. They weren't going to wait till next week. They weren't going to put it off seven days. They knew that there was something within their hearing that God was doing that was so amazing, it'd be easy to disbelieve it because it's so incredible. A dead man's raised from the dead? Wow. So they follow. 
And when they follow Paul and Barnabas, they continue in fellowship. Paul and Barnabas continue to talk to them and explain to them. And the last expression is what I titled this, and they continue, their urge to continue in the grace of God. Now, if you read on in the next verses, which we'll get to next week, all hell gets stirred up from one Sabbath to the next Sabbath because the enemy knows the gospel has power to change. I want to encourage you, if there's any impetus of the morning message, is to act on everything that you know is true about what God is pursuing in you today, now. Don't put it off till later. Don't put it off till tonight. Don't put it off till after we get through with the food distribution. Take action now. Oh my, have you ever lost an opportunity because you delayed in obeying? Let's not lose one today. This is the good news. I believe the Lord wants to release prophetic words that will encourage us. And many of us have have been working uh, and growing in our ability to hear the Lord and to hear his heart, see what he's doing, find out how to, to partner with him. The key this morning is, I believe, as we've already sang through the worship and the exhortation that's come up through the body, it's about the heart today. It's about what God wants to do in our hearts. Because when things are too good to be true to be able to process with our brain, it's not too good to be true to process in our heart. Our heart knows that we are created for a whole lot more than what we've been living. Our hearts know that there is something about God that is so much bigger than what I've experienced up until now. The heart knows that it longs to be submitted. It longs to be ruled by love. It longs for the Lord of love, the Lord of peace, the Lord of righteousness, to take up residence within the heart. I'd like for the worship team to sing that last song. It's well with my soul or change my heart. Either one, both of those are perfect for this morning. Let's, let's just wait on the Lord. If the Lord gives you a word, for someone, I want to encourage you to encourage them with that word. Let's be faithful to get. I'm praying that the Lord will give, the Holy Spirit will distribute a word to every person here, at least one word to give to another person. And we'll highlight them and, and, and mark them, and you can you can do that. You say, oh, but I haven't been to the Kingdom School of supernatural ministry or I haven't been to the, uh, you know, Sockham, Kingdom School of Ministry. I haven't been to, no, just listen. 
So just take a moment as they're getting tuned and getting their, their music stands and all that stuff. Just, just kind of open your heart and receive from the Lord a word that he wants to give to you for another. His first word may be for you. You may want to speak something directly to your heart. Never dismiss a one-word prophecy. You may only get one word to, to speak to somebody. Matter of fact, one of these times I want us to do an exercise where you can only speak one word to another person. Only can give them one word. Today you can give more. This is not the day. But there's power when the Lord gives us a word. Just one word sometimes unlocks the heart. So Holy Spirit, we just pause to present ourselves to you. Oh, Paul and Barnabas, they encourage us so much as we see how they, how they lived in that first generation of believers. Speaking your word, exercising power and authority over a false prophet like Elamus, a sorcerer. <laughs> seeing your power displayed, seeing the power of, of preaching and the transformation that comes from hearing the word, of understanding who you are, that you're a good God, that you've called us, you've chose us, you've brought us to yourself, you've given us so many wonderful things and you're so patient with us, you endure <laughs> with us. Thank you that you don't leave us, but that you continue to develop us. Thank you that you give us the things that we cry out for, and you help us to refine the things that we do cry out for. Thank you, Father, for always being there, for being good, for forgiving, for freeing, for delivering. I pray this morning, Lord, as we respond, as we've already respond to the message of forgiveness in the heart, I pray, Father, that you would bring deliverance to the heart from all the religious stuff that we've been entangled with throughout our entire life. Lord, things that we don't even know that are, that are bothering us, that they're hindering us, that they, there's somewhere, some, some way they're, they're an obstruction they're restricting, they're limiting. Oh, we say today, Jesus, you are everything. That there is no need for another component added to the atonement. That your atonement is perfect and whole. Give us a revelation that we can see you more clearly so that we won't split our vision and split our focus between you and, and then navel gazing at our performance. I pray that we'd have eyes for only you. Yes. Only you, that we would see you and follow you and love you forever and ever and ever. That eternity begins today as we realize forever yours, forever loved, forever accepted, oh, forever hidden in your heart. So Holy Spirit, come and release. 
Release your gifts. Release a fresh anointing. Release a deliverance within our hearts and souls. Free us from every obstacle that would hinder us from knowing the fullness of love with you, with ourselves, and with others. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.